I'm Mark Gagan, and you're listening to the Voice of Insurance podcast. Today's guest is an amazing person with an incredibly interesting story to tell. After 10 years in the British military and distinguished service in Iraq, Forbes McKenzie was determined to apply the skills he had learned in military intelligence in the civilian world. A decade and lots of hard work later, McKenzie Intelligence Services, MIS, is bringing real-time intelligence to bear on natural disasters and man-made events alike and has won a major tender to provide its services across the Lloyds market. As Forbes describes in the podcast, users of the firm's geo platform are improving reserving estimates by 93%, cutting claims overheads by 40%, and this is making an average 2 percentage point improvement to loss ratios. Here we talk about the art of blending multiple data sources to provide insights that insurers can use instantly. But because this is such a cutting-edge business, we get to look into the future and a world of really smart, really focused artificial intelligence, instant straight-through claims payments, hugely expanded parametric insurance, and the future of exposure management itself. Forbes is excellent company and has a great way of turning complicated ideas into simple and understandable insights that you can use to improve the way that you go about your business today. It's fascinating stuff and highly recommended listening. Enjoy the podcast. So Forbes, thank you so much for supporting The Voice of Insurance and for taking the time to come to speak to us. Why don't we start at the beginning? Tell me how you had the idea for McKenzie Intelligence Services. It's very nice to meet you and thank you for having me on your podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. McKenzie Intelligence started, myself and my two colleagues, we left the military in 2011, where we were in the Intelligence Corps. And during the noughties, we worked all over the world using space technology, which the Americans had for the most part. And we understood how big pieces of intelligence collection platforms can be brought together, the data can be fused, and it can create an answer. And intelligence can be delivered within 24 hours, We had very busy masters on the battlefield who really were time poor and they were intelligence poor as well. And we had to really kind of fill that gap and working at pace. In 2011, I left the army and I set the business up to basically do that. I wasn't quite sure how I was going to monetize it, but I wanted to be a boutique consulting business. There's a number of us in the London insurance marketplace. And we got a call. There has been a large fire in Benghazi in Libya, and that fire is costing the insurance market on the first notification of lost 115 million euros. Forbes, could you and your guys go and spy in Benghazi, please? Was what the kind of question was. And here's a big bag of cash. Let's get yourself to Benghazi, spend this money and tell us what happened. And we said, well, would it not be safer and quicker and cheaper <laughs> to take a photograph from space? And they went, no, this happened a year ago. I said, well, yes, the imagery will be there. And we got the image. And the image showed building was there on the 19th of February, and the 20th of February, it wasn't there anymore. That was the date for the fire, and that was the answer. And we saved them 150,000. Now, we still ended up going to Benghazi, because that end opened up a can of worms, but um, that's a story for another day. Well, I remember running that story. It was very, very interesting. It was, you know, a war and terror market and all sorts of things going on. So I didn't know that you were behind some of the answers to those questions that we were desperately finding out ourselves as journalists. So tell us about the business. What sort of scale is the business at now? Um, How many employees have you got? Where have you got offices? And where's your main headquarters? Well, the number of employees, we have 20 employees now, which is a far cry from 2011 in Benghazi when it was myself and an interpreter and a satellite photograph. 
And we're venture capital back, um, Eden Rock Group, our VCs. We're also public funding the European Space Agency. Our development team is, a, is down in, in Bournemouth, taking advantage of some exceptional talent from Bournemouth University and Southampton University. And we have an office just near Cambridge, which takes advantage of the ex-military imagery intelligence teams. And in London, we've got a headquarters office where myself and the head of product and our finance team are based from. Again, a far cry from what we were 10 years ago. It's been quite a ride. So let's get into the nitty gritty about the business. 10 years into your project, you're not a boutique consultancy anymore. You've got an intelligence platform that you've built. Can you describe what it is and what the main product is and how it works? For the London insurance marketplace and indeed the global partners around the world, we deliver at pace accurate reserving estimates after a natural catastrophe or a geopolitical event takes place. And we will disseminate that intelligence into their platforms via a number of methodologies, whether it's an API call or whether it's via our own portal and platform. For the claims teams, we will identify via heat maps and individual properties what has happened. And that allows the claims teams to triage their response. A straight through payment may be made at that point or the best loss adjusting resource, which is a paucity attached to it, can be best applied. And if they claims reinsurance teams, we deliver a time series of the event so they can really understand in time and space what has happened and how best to respond. When you say fast, Forbes, how quickly are we really talking about? For the exposure is as it's unfolding, um, as the event is unfolding. So if we're talking about a hurricane making landfall in Louisiana, whether it be Hurricane Laura or Delta from last year, as it makes landfall, we're already reporting back to the exposure teams what properties are in and what properties are out of the event footprint. And that makes us different to a modelling company. A modelling company will take a historic data set and make us assumptions. And the Texas freeze, which we saw back at the start of March, modelling companies did not have a freeze data set. What they had was a Cat 3 hurricane in the area, and that's what they used to model the outcome, which we reported actual weather conditions coming from sensors on the ground, locations that were one degrees above and one degrees below. And that difference was incredibly important. So with an API, what you mean there is that your system is plugged in directly to the insurer system so that they can see it in real time. Absolutely. And and that really is where the scale kicks in. So regularly, we'll do 2 million lines of API calls as the event is unfolding back and forward to our clients. And that is automatically going into their workflows. And that is underpinned by some really smart artificial intelligence and machine learning capabilities. So what you're doing with your platform is you're getting data from lots of different sources. It's not just satellite, it's, it's all sorts of things. So why don't you run through the, all the different data sources that you're bringing together and, and sort of tell us typically how many different sources are all correlating together? Now, intelligence is the industrialised collection of raw information done in a systematic way in order to answer questions and then give them some real thought how to get that information to busy time poor clients. So we look at each event and peril around the world that is insured. So we don't know where the next event's going to be, but we do know what is insured and what the contracts is. That allows us to put in place the information requirements. Intelligence covers signals intelligence, imagery intelligence, and human intelligence. And we do all three of those. The signals intelligence, IoT sensors, Internet of Things sensors on the grounds really is the future for what we see. Whereas a property reports to us what has happened to it. Imagery, gives a really good view of the situation, whether it's a wide-angled view of the side of the earth or a drone taking a picture of a tile on the roof. And then the human intelligence allows us to give qualitative assessment 
it allows in, no human speaks the truth because we've always got our objective view, whether we like it or not, but it gives a qualitative approach. And we blend all of that together via sort of machine learning and artificial intelligence in order to give a deep enriched understanding of the event. And that gives clients trust. And they really, really, really now trust where we're going. We're also the data provider that goes to market and selects the best data. Synthetic Aperture Radar, for example, there are a number of excellent star companies now, and we work with all of them rather than just one. Because if we work with one, then we're occluding wide angle data collection, which we may otherwise need. Because sometimes a satellite company could have their satellite offline that day, couldn't they? It could be just being switched off or being doing maintenance or just pointing in the wrong direction. So you can get the best data. You make sure you always get the best. That's exactly, we, we do get the best data. And the best data is the one that answers the question, not necessarily the prettiest picture. And that is really important. Having data that answers the question is more important to us because we will then add other data sources to enrich that and bring the information to life. And, we'll, and again, we'll supply a quotative assessment on how reliable it is. But the way satellites work, they fundamentally fall around the world. That's the way the orbit works. You usually go from pole to pole. And you can't change the orbital track. You can do a little bit, but not really in the way we need to. So therefore, we must go to all the other satellite providers that are available to get full coverage. As a journalist, one source telling you something is a bit of a rumour, could be a strong rumour. But once you get that corroborated by two independent sources, that's effectively good enough for us to go and say that this is true, let's publish this. With you guys, you're using more sources than that. And so your level of veracity of data, therefore, is going to be almost exponentially stronger, isn't it? Is it going to be 99.999999% certain that the roof has blown off a particular property that's been insured, for example? That's exactly it. So in the towns community, rumour suggests this happens. Yeah, so we will use multiple sources of information that are reliable to give an answer. And then we will place our name against it. Our product is called GEO, the Global Events Observer. And what GEO does, it sets an industrial standard of intelligence that can be trusted by the marketplace. So let's get to the benefits. What sort of benefits are people who are using GEO finding, you know, within 24 hours of a hurricane going over last year, were you able to really give them an accurate footprint of what percentage of their portfolio? Or, and the benefit there is that they can focus on the bits that really are likely to be damaged and send the adjusters there when perhaps obviously adjusters after an event are in short supply, that kind of thing. Run us through the benefits. The benefits of re remote sensing is that we can look anywhere in the world at any peril. And for the London insurance market in particular, where they may have exposure in the southern states of the US, they may have exposure in ports in the Middle East that are subject to an explosion. They may have exposure to shipping moving through the Suez Canal. We're able to look at any event anywhere in the world at any time of day. For the exposure teams, we regularly get tested in sprints with our clients. And exposure teams tell us they improve their reserving estimates by 93%. For the claims teams, we reduce their claims overheads by some 40%. And that really has a bottom line improvement by some 2% to the loss ratio. And in those savings, is it really about that ability to be focused, to know that theoretically part of your portfolio may have been damaged, but it hasn't, or that there are pockets of concentrated damage where you know you, you really should focus? Is that where the benefit is from not wasting time sending people to look at things that actually aren't damaged? Exactly. So it's the fidelity of what's taken place. Hurricane Laura is a really neat example. The exposure to the London market, there was a lot of petrochemical facilities there, been in the Gulf of Mexico. The reports from the ground is utter destruction because it was sustained Cat 4 hurricane. But of course, the big industrial complexes are made of concrete and were fine. Whereas the kind of housing, which was of a poorer stock, that was 
suffered immeasurable deep impact. So therefore, the answers were skewed. So to say that everything's destroyed is not true. And so what we'll do, we'll separate out what the property is for. Is it a home or is it an industrial facility? And we'll break all of that out and send that back to the client. So one particular client gave us some 35,000 locations in the footprint of Laura. We immediately explained and detailed what was in and what was out of the footprint of Cat 3, Cat 4 winds, storm surge. And then we do a deep dive on those locations for their claims teams. And that whole process is wrapped up in 72 hours of landfill. Forbes, it was interesting you said about the fact that you can use all these multiple sources of data and always pick the best ones and blend them together to give you that real veracity. As someone subscribing to your services, is that a bit of a worry? Do you have to charge them extra for all this different data or is that included in the price? It is very much included in the price. If you think about your pay subscription to Netflix and you turn it on and films are there, that's the way we do it. A subscriber comes, buys our intelligence layer, which is the mechanism that we're able to incorporate their risk to our intelligence and add value to the risk. We will worry about the intelligence that needs to come into that. I'd say we're data agnostic, we're great relationships with all the data providers around the world. And can they also blend in some of their own data if they've got some proprietary data that they think is going to give them an edge? Are you okay with that? We're very okay with that. And that's that's really important because essentially we become a intelligence provider and we understand there's different insurance companies have got different requirements. And we make a point of making sure that our data, the layer it comes in, and can be incorporated to whatever system the insurers have. Some of us just use ours, some of us use third-party systems. We're a geospatial intelligence provider. And it's as important to us to be incorporated into existing systems that, that they have as anything else. Are there any perils that you can't currently work with or, or that you won't work with? No, we, we make a point of looking at what our insurers have under contract, what the, the risk is. And then when we sign a client up, we will look at what contracts they have in place, what risk they insure, and we will disappear off and create a bespoke intelligence collection plan around that particular contract, which then allows us to collect against it. And then up our sleeve, we have the kind of what we call the kind of black swan events. Nobody thought about the evergreen getting stuck in the Suez Canal. Nobody thought that the the Gulf of Mexico would have a freezing event. Nobody thought that Beirut back in August was going to have a significant explosion. But yet we answered those questions within eight hours because as intelligencers from a military background, we're used to being challenged at short notice. You mentioned about the unexpected nature of the business that we're in. What if you were challenged by the nature of insurance is that things happen all at once sometimes. You wait for one major catastrophe to come along and then three will happen in the same day. Do you think you now have the capacity to handle more than one thing happening at a time? Do you have to drop everything and say, oh, goodness me, we've got to do the Texas freeze now? And then suddenly, oh, no, but Beirut's just blown up. Have you got enough capacity to be able to be comfortable that you can deal with multiple events that are happening at the same time? We do now. And that's really where we've built on in the last 12 months, the Global Events Observer, uh, I say underpinned by the European Space Agency and built in line with the Future Lloyds programme, is in order to be able to deal with multiple events at the same time around the world. And it's true, in 2017, we could do one Hurricane Harvey, one Hurricane Irma, one Hurricane Maria. There was a financial resource issue, there was a people resource issue, but now we're scaled to work anywhere in the world. It's a live picture of the world. And we know where to look because we have the client's data in advance, so we know where the risk is. So therefore, provided we've got intelligence collection cover on each risk, we can take care of it. You use uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence, and we hear a huge amount about that. Why don't you explain sort of what that is in your context and what are you getting your machines particularly to look at and to learn and get better at understanding? 
it covers such a wide area, AI and ML, and I know it's kind of buzzword-tastic. We go beyond the hot dog, not hot dog, for those that get the Silicon Valley reference. We go for building destroyed, building not destroyed. But actually what we're really working on is the deep neural network, artificial intelligence. And that's bringing together a ground sign, which indicates what has happened. Take blue tarpaulin after there's been a hurricane in Louisiana. Yes, the roof has damaged this blue tarpaulin. But what's interesting about that blue tarpaulin is that the US Engineer Corps have done a site assessment of that building and put the blue tarpaulin on it. So therefore, we've got a human intelligence source is what we're really doing. And that human intelligence source indicates to us what has happened. And we work in the agrarian insurance space an awful lot now. And we're interested in certain crops around the world, how they're impacted by an event. And the crop could be blown over or not blown over. But actually, we're interested in the buildings round about that particular crop and the impact to what's happened on that particular crop. And that really is where artificial intelligence is getting trained to do. It then can train itself and start to think for itself. Next for the artificial intelligence is making smart decisions about who needs to understand that data and how it gets into their workflows. So exposure teams want to understand a piece, claims teams want to understand a piece, and the artificial intelligence that we train makes sure that the data goes to the right person and it goes to the right person at the right time in the right order. And that's how we enable John Neal's vision of straight through claims payments. So is it monitoring all sorts of other sources and and trying to think of other things that are relevant at the same time, that things that are happening, you've got your building with its roof off down the street, but then down the street, some other things are happening. And then the intelligence is also looking at those. And, it's, and is that artificial intelligence sitting over all those other data sources and effectively thinking about them? It is. And that's really where our proprietary information, our proprietary capabilities come in. So we've got an algorithm that basically goes, this has happened, but what does that really mean? And take, for example, there's a flood on a road. We've got synthetic aperture radar saying the road is wet. Fine, it's not intelligence, the road's wet. But the client insures 45 restaurants down the road. Those restaurants can no longer operate. There's a one-mile exclusion zone round about them for business interruption. Now we're saying those restaurants are about to put a claim in for loss of business because people cannot get to the locations and they've got a one-mile radius around about them. So it's the smart decisions around about business interruption is really what... Geo is working on under the Global Events Observer. And it goes beyond, is the roof there, the roof not there? I mean, that's not very sophisticated. Let's look at the future. Obviously, this is a very futuristic business. The technologies around this are all developing really, really fast. I mean, the data itself, and then you are now your ability to understand and process that data in an intelligent way and turn it into something useful, insights and intelligence for the insurance companies. So what sort of problems do you think you'll be able to be solving in four or five years' time? Intelligence platforms like ours are going to be moving onwards on how best we can add value to environmental, social governance, ESG, and how companies can make better decisions about where they invest, how companies can make better decisions about economic choices, but really how we can improve the lives of people in the future all over the world. And it's really exciting to see after an event takes place, how to prioritise a response the benefit of the individual on the ground and the kind of folks that that need that and help. Elsewhere, in terms of new products, the parametric insurance space is very exciting for us. We work with an MGA with an insurance programme in the Caribbean. I hope they're about to go into the Lloyds lab. And what they are looking to do in the parametric space is very, very interesting. Our business with Global Events Observer, we supply the underwriting data and then the parametric trigger in order to enable that capability. 
And we see huge growth in the parametric space all over North America, the grain sector and South America. Some 96% of the world is not insured. Global Events Observer will be able to fill quite a significant part of that insurance gap. And that's where I see the kind of product moving in the next four to five years. And then opportunities round about straight through claims being paid and that moving through the system as well is something we'll critically look at. So do you think some of your clients might be governments or non-government organisations in the future? We work with a number of governments at the minute and non-government organisations, particularly looking at deforestation all over the world and how best to make decisions around about carbon offsetting. Governments, particularly in less developed countries around the world, have difficulty accessing this type of intelligence because it's been so expensive and now it no longer is. And I see an awful lot more governments around the world using this type of capability. Your business is all about events as they unfold, so they are after the event, but very, very close after the event. Would you ever look at applying your intelligence to stopping some of these events happening in the first place, pre-event sort of loss mitigation type work, or generally modelling and looking before an event? Yeah, the example of that, the answer is yes, but the example of that is looking at a property, and it may be a new build property, but we understand what's happened to that parcel of land for the last 50 years, which would then allow us to make assessments of what may happen to that property in the future. Talking about data enrichment at this point, how to add value to that property land parcel and therefore underwriters could make smart decisions around about price points. So you could say, well, it's a lovely new house, but the historic flood, the worst flood of the last 50 years was halfway up the front door. And so you better do something. <laughs> yes, or there's subsidence close by, or there has been fires just around the corner, or there's a proximity to a federal correction centre. So therefore, there might be issues around crime and theft. Yes. You've been talking about Lloyd's, and so you've embedded yourself in Lloyd's and done a very big deal with the Lloyd's market there. Why don't you tell us about the anatomy of that deal? We've just won an RFP. We're only now allowed to start talking about it. We have worked with Lloyd's since 2017. We were used as a guinea pig to prove that the Lloyd's lab concept would be a thing, whereby Claim Strategic Group, I think they were called in 2017, reached out to us and said, you guys don't know a lot about insurance, but you do know a lot about intelligence and geospatial intelligence. Could we use you as guinea pigs? We're not going to pay you. But for the next nine months, you're going to work with our team and then we're going to tell you our pain points and you guys can disappear off and come back with a bunch of solutions. We said yes. To fund that, we had to do lots of work all over Africa. We did anti-poaching work in the DRC. Most was caught malaria. So I mean, <laughs> but we did that work and that then allowed us to kind of keep working with Lloyd's firm free for nine months. But we recognised the opportunity and these opportunities don't come along very often. And we were able to meet the hierarchy in Lloyd's who really looked after us. And we developed a system which was used for the first time by Hurricanes Harvey in 2017 and then turned into minimum viable product, a two-year programme paid for under the Lloyd's Market Association Claims Committee. And then in the future Lloyd's programme, we became the first vendor for FAL in August 2019. At the end of all of that, he said, Forbes, you guys need to retender for this whole programme, but tell us about what the Global Events Observer will do in the future. I understand, clearly don't know who else was in the RFP process, but understand it was the stiffest and largest competition. And at the end of it, we emerged as the winners by some margin as well. I am told that's as much feedback as we've had. But it means that we were right in saying to our investors what the future would look like. We were right to get involved as being an insure tech. We've had patients working with a large organisation with 330-year-old layers of bureaucracy. We think Lloyds have moved quite quickly comparatively, and we're generally grateful to um, 
our kind of staff members that we work with. So it's Martin Canavan and Phil Godwin in the claims teams, Paul Brady. And it's been lovely working with these very talented individuals. And it really means that we have the space now to take our time and grow and keep building technology that is answering the pain points. And the difference between what we had before and what we have now moving forward is that before it was a centralized contract, almost like a grant. It always felt like an R&D type program, albeit being revenue, but that money was getting spent. Now it can be scalable, a subscription model. Every one of the market members in Lloyd's, some of the biggest insurance companies in the world are now individual subscribers with a direct contract to those organizations. And we are already seeing the organizations coming forward, a couple of larger ones in particular saying, this is great. Can you also do this? And of course we are. It'd be an amazing opportunity for us. So it's a deal available, sort of pre-agreed pricing all across Lloyd's, but you're absolutely open to the rest of the world. And it's not just a Lloyd's only thing. You're open to everybody. It's not an exclusive or anything. Very much so. Yeah, we're open to every insurance company um, across the world. It's been quite amazing people who are coming forward. We kind of equate ourselves to being that little band in Camden from Creation Records. For those that know the Creation Records story, we've been playing the kind of pubs and clubs. We've moved to the Roundhouse and Wembley Stadium is just around the corner. So you're the Alan McGee of, uh, of the insurance uh, intelligence world. Um, oh, I think so. <laughs> or, <laughs> Excellent. Or, or, or maybe the Bobby Gillespie. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. He's not necessarily the most reliable business partner, I'm sure, <laughs> Mr Gillespie. But um, so. what about you personally? Your name's above the door, McKenzie Intelligent Services. You've got private equity investors. What are your horizons for the business? Is this the sort of thing that are you the sort of person who wants to build a business and then achieve something and then sell it on and go on to the next thing? Or are you the sort of person who would like to keep that business forever and, you know, be McKenzie business you can give to your grandchildren to inherit? Yeah. So it is my name above the door. But it's also my dad's name above the door. So my father did 37 years in the intelligence core. And I'm always keen to point that out because those that know, I guess, the McKenzie brand in the intelligence community also go, you're a loose son. So I'm quite keen to point that out. In terms of our ambitions for the future, there is huge growth potential for MIS. It is a scalable business model fundamentally. We've got a lot of ambitions of where we're going to grow the business. We have a really good idea how intelligence data feeds are going to grow in the next five years. And we want to be part of that growth as well. Telematics solutions out there, smart homes, smart meters, smart cities, that is only now just starting to come to the marketplace. And the customer base are only now starting to be comfortable with third-party companies, even though everyone's been using Facebook since 2006. They're only now starting to be comfortable with companies working with that data to their better solutions, I've, I've got to say, and we want to be part of that journey. You're not looking to cash out and buy a yacht just yet? Not yet, no. I mean, I set the business up because I didn't want to get a real job. I wanted to do intelligence professionally. And if I saw the business tomorrow afternoon, I don't know what I would do, to be honest. So how should listeners uh, get in touch with you if they're interested in, in finding out more, Forbes? They're very welcome to reach out to us. McKenzieIntelligence.co.uk is an email address on the website. Find us on LinkedIn or on Twitter as well. Our door is very much open. As an intelligence organisation, we are deeply interested in everything that's going on around about us and we'd welcome all warm conversations. All that information will be on the notes accompanying this podcast. So Forbes, any final words before we say goodbye? It's been a real pleasure to speak to you today, thank you much. And to the listeners, those that think that may be able to collaborate with us, we're not the panacea. We know in the InsureTech world, there's lots of awesome companies. We have got an amazing platform with each of the managing agents in the Lloyd's marketplace. We would love to speak to other firms who would like to access RM clients. 
and any collaborative approaches, we're very much open to that. And thank you very much. Great. Well, sounds like the sky's the limit. And thanks so much for coming on. And thanks for your support, Forbes. And good luck with everything. It sounds very exciting. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, don't forget to subscribe or leave a like or a review or recommendation on whatever podcast platform you used to access this program. These really help get the word out. Before we go, just a quick reminder that advertising slots are available here and in other places in the Voice of Insurance podcasts. Podcasting is the fastest growing medium and attracts a high quality audience of key decision makers. It's also an intimate medium where you, the listener, are right in the room with me and the interview subjects. Needless to say, that means it's a great way of getting your message out directly to an audience because you know you've got their full attention. It's also very cost effective. So get in touch with Mark at thevoiceofinsurance.com to find out how you could be speaking directly to the industry. The Voice of Insurance is produced by me, Mark Gagan, in association with Advantage Go, enabling underwriters to increase the speed and accuracy of decision-making. Original music was written by Anna Gagan and produced by Carlos Gagan. Check out more podcasts and written comment pieces at www.thevoiceofinsurance.com.